Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromine specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. All right, and good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and we are now halfway, well, a little over halfway through the season. We're on season two, episode eight, and we are here, of course, with Dr. Stewart. How are you? Good, Kara. How How's are you? your weekend? It was excellent. It's, it's cooling good. down. We got a little rain. Got rain, finally. You're getting some rest. Uh, Your kids a, playing sports. I have, I have lots of, lots of sports. <laughs> Aren't they fun on a Saturday or Sunday morning at like 8 a.m.? Yeah, to a certain degree. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. But anyways, we love them watching them play sports. Today we're going to talk about, Dr. Stewart, I don't know if you're aware of this, you probably are, October is Dyslexia Awareness Month. Oh, I was not aware of that. Okay. We are not going to focus strictly on dyslexia, but we want to make sure that people... No, it's, it's a serious It's a serious issue. Sure. Um, they estimate that one in 10 people have dyslexia, and it's not just in children. I know you treat mm. a lot of children for dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, but there's over 20... I mean, 2 million adults um, that don't even know that they're dyslexic. Yeah, you know, I see that all the time. I'll have people who are very prominent. I mean, I have some pharmacists, some... You know, attorney, not attorneys, but uh, baseball player. I mean, I know you have lots of athletes. Lots of athletes tend to uh, wonder if they have dyslexia, and they just want to do some testing to find out if they do. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. So they they estimate, you know, because Albert Einstein, you know, they always say that he had dyslexia. He was actually severely dyslexic, but had an IQ of 160. Sure. You know, and they they name like Whoopi Goldberg, Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley, Channing Tatum. These are very successful people. So sure. it's not something that can hinder you, and nothing. Dyslexia has nothing to do with working hard enough, but 20% of school age children in the U.S. are dyslexic. And so we got to figure out, with your help, mm-hmm. how we can overcome this. So we're going to talk about dyslexia, dysgraphia, probably some ADHD in there, okay. auditory issues, which a lot of times goes along with this, memory, and then also head trauma. And they get that disorder after the head trauma, sure. especially in children, right? That all makes sense. Okay, so let's start with this. Um, in your opinion, what is going on with with these? Why are the statistics so high, and what is it? Well, we're, you know, we certainly never guess at anything we decide, and um, basically, what we found in people who have dyslexia, dysgraphia, uh, dyscalculia, all the all the um, disorders. First of all, what's dysgraphia? Dysgraphia is typically trouble writing. Okay. And dyscalculia is trouble with mathematics, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, okay. Einstein didn't have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Smart but man. The, the, um, what we really find is that they have trouble with visual tracking. Okay. Okay. And that's where your testing suite, you track right. that laser so, on the wall. Yeah, so we actually use uh, ENG technology that basically tracks the, the eye's ability to track targets. Okay. And we find that dis- typically dyslexic kids have trouble tracking in the horizontal direction because, you know, you, leave, you read left to right. And mm-hmm. so they have... A lot of trouble with their eyes just not moving sm- smoothly and steadily across the page. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about their eyes get thrown off. Yeah, they overshoot their target. They're just not very accurate. They're not elegant. Gotcha. So what happens is they wind up looking at a single word, and they don't read in a smooth, elegant fashion. Mm-hmm. And so they tend to read things over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't to, make sense. And it doesn't. Well, it, it does make sense to a certain degree. It doesn't mean they can't read. It just yeah. means they're not very good at it. Okay. 
Now, dysgraphia, on the other hand, is typically a problem in the vertical eye movements because writing is actually a vertical scale True. orientation. I typically see, when I see these vertical problems, I typically tell people I can see four things wrong with your kids. Okay, number one, you're going to have trouble catching a ball. Especially and this is after running. they've done the sensory view sure. testing at your clinic. After you see it, let me tell you about your kids. I'll have trouble catching a ball, especially when they're running, because yep. if you can't keep your eyes steady, you have no depth perception. Okay. They'll have trouble with their handwriting scaling properly. Okay. okay. They'll have trouble doing mathematics the way they teach it, so they wind up doing it in their head. Yeah, that's my because son. They don't, <laughs> because they don't follow the line straight down Yeah, the they teach it. And typically, they'll, they'll have trouble skipping uh, lines when they're reading. They can't find the next line. So oh, they need gotcha. to have some kind of guide to tell them what line they're on. Okay. And so typically, that's dysgraphia, and dyscalculia falls into the same problem. Okay. Which means that we, you know, obviously, vertical eye movements are actually much harder for the human than horizontal eye movements. Okay. And don't so, really don't. so people can usually read before they can write sometimes? Sometimes, uh, certainly can be. But if you can't scale things right and you can't move in a smooth fashion, I typically say, okay, uh, the problem is not just reading, but it's interpretation of what you're reading. Yeah. Okay. And so basically, if I tell you a joke like this, okay. by the time I get to the end, we're not uh, listening. Joke, it's not funny. Okay. <laughs> So reading is really what you, you want to understand what you're reading instead of just reading the word. So these kids typically are memorizers. They okay. just memorize the word. They have trouble writing it. They just have trouble tracking appropriately. Okay. And so what we do and what is, age do you usually find that at? Oh, uh, you can find it fairly early. Like I mean, six, seven? Yeah, I mean, that's when everybody starts to really notice because everybody thinks they'll just grow out of it. Yeah, like we had a teacher conference this morning. They said, Dylan, you know, he he's a great reader. He's a great writer. He's pretty good at math. So obviously he doesn't have dyslexia. And that was right. what she said. And I was like, okay, well, we got over that hump. But there's a lot of people that Well, and so they can afterwards. develop it, too, because the problem is is the eye tracking because eye muscles work on dopamine. Okay, yeah, that's what I want to get to. Mm-hmm. They can develop it over time. Correct. And adults, too. Sure. Okay. So, so let's get into that. Right. So all eye movements work on dopamine. Dopamine controls the, neurotransmitter. the extraocular muscles of the eye. And so the problem is if you don't have enough dopamine and you don't have a, a center reference of the vestibular system. You know, the vestibular system, remember, we, com- we compare t- one ear to the other ear to find the middle of our head. Mm-hmm. So we use the middle of our head as the reference. Okay. Of where we are. Of where we are so our eyes can track appropriately. And if you're not centered. If you you don't have a reference or it's moving around and it's different, then we can't coordinate the eyes and the ears together. We can't track appropriately. Can I ask you a question since we're so technology driven Mm -hmm. nowadays? Do you think that like iPhones and iPads are going to hurt, are hurting a lot of that vestibular system? Hmm. You know, because you go from these big screens to small screens and. No, because what happens is these kids, when they get into this dyslexia dysgraphia and they really can't um their eyes don't work like they're supposed to god has some fail safes in the system he okay will, he will make the peripheral vision stronger heightened and we call it the magnocellular system in in developmental optometry terms and that's the peripheral vision black and white contrast is in, enhanced okay and basically, those kids are drawn to actually two-dimensional worlds like flat screens. Oh, so, like video games. So those are the kids that are stuck on video, stuck, stuck on screens. They just can't get off of them. They'd rather be on that than anything. Why? Because okay. they're more comfortable in that sure. world? Sure. That's actually a form of It makes of sense to them. Sure. And that's why some of these great people are so good at video games, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because they practice them all the time because that's where they're comfortable. Wow. Okay. So basically, when you have dyslexia, dysgraphia, you have trouble with three-dimensional perception, while the a computer screen is a two-dimensional yeah. world. Yeah. Well, eventually, they'll probably be 3D, right? 
I don't uh, like it. 3D makes me nauseous. It really does. Well, 3D Any kind of is movie. artificial. Is, it's artificial 3D. It's not real 3D. So why do 3D <laughs> movies make a lot of people get headaches and migraines? Because they have bad vestibular systems. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That would be me because I yeah. have vertigo from time to time. Correct. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the dopamine question because, mm-hmm. I mean, full focus, we sell a lot of sure. in our um, – nutrition line because sure. you created that for dopamine turnover dopamine support correct dopamine turnover and what does that have in it exactly so it has methyl donors in it okay it has taurine choline methionine trimethylglycine it has chlorogenic acid which helps dopamine that's modulation. green coffee bean extract mm-hmm. which is not a stimulant no nope it just helps dopamine turnover and basically what it involves is clearing the receptor of dopamine faster so you can bind it again okay and what that means is we turn it over quicker so we can modulate the the peripheral nerve the nerve that's past the neurotransmitter faster okay change the way it works quicker since we're talking about you know nutrition and stuff do do you see in your in your kids your patients that you treat do does the, do these kind of learning disabilities associate with methylation issues? Sure. So we always talk about methylation. It's always comes back to methylation. It also really comes back to energy. Yeah. So what we've learned about all kids who have these types of disorders is that really when we started to look at genetics, which we're going to talk about the in markers. the future, yeah. we found that there were two requirements. Okay. On the genetic there panel? There are requirements. Okay. Methylation deficiency, which means you can't convert folic acid into the methyl form. Yep. And that creates problems making dopamine from tyrosine and making 5-HTP from serotonin. Because they're required Making serotonin from 5-HTP because that's required for the conversion. Okay. Um, The second thing we found is most of these kids actually do have a weak mitochondria. Okay. The mitochondria operates at… The batteries. Yeah. So basically the mitochondria acts at about, for those kids, mostly about 70% of its potential. Okay. Now, that's not as bad as you think because I never found anybody that operates at 100%. Basically, yeah. everybody that then we, we'd be in that little where you take that pill and your your brain turns on like 150 <laughs> percent. <laughs> Sorry, I just watched that show Limitless last night. It was awesome. <laughs> well, anyway, well, I um, sorry. <laughs> I tell my patients that you know my genetics show that I operate at 80 percent, and okay. I was a good athlete. You're smart. And I'm smart, and I pretty much am a fairly normal. That's a question. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. A, you're you're kind of normal. But what I'd say is I'm operating <laughs> on eighty percent of the potential of my mitochondria. Uh huh. The difference between eighty and seventy is night and day. And if you get down to sixty, you're really in trouble. And mitochondria isn't just about muscle energy. Like with athletes and stuff, they always talk about mitochondria because you yeah, know, you well, get, it is. If you if you have a ninety percent mitochondria, those are the NFL football players and this. But marathon does, runners and how does that correlate to a child with dyslexia because the brain uses the most energy of anything in the body so your mitochondria have to be replenished well you're no not replenished they have to be there to make energy so that you can make dopamine and serotonin and all the other neurotransmitters and then when you have these type of issues the mitochondria are suffering typically yes and so you have to provide the nutrients to help so, so typically it. you we've got we have ways that we'll talk about you know sometime of manipulating the mitochondria to make them either grow more or to produce more energy. And that's what's really popular right now, PQQ, PQQ. which we are, uh, can't keep in stock right now because Correct. everybody's got that mar- that mutation. Correct. Well, PQQ, basically, from what the research is showing us, tells the cell to actually grow more mitochondria. Wow. So if we have a weak mitochondria, I love it. because we can't, you know, fix the mitochondria genetically, we can actually induce the cell to grow more mitochondria over time. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you know what? On the second half of this, um, I want to talk about, we're going to talk about treatment. And we kind of just touched on that with the nutritional mm-hmm. quality. But, you know, a lot of parents always ask me, and I'm sure they're 
waiting to see you. A lot of them come in waiting to see you, but they want to know, is there anything for my baby? Like if I went ahead and got genetic testing, are there any markers that I can see that may potentially warn me that they could be a potential, you know, a dyslexic or ADHD or anything Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk with Dr. Stewart and we'll be right back. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. All right, and we are back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart, Episode 8, Season 2. We're talking about learning disabilities in children and adults. We're getting Dr. Stewart's opinion on some treatment, some nutritional um, elements, and, you know, what really causes it. You know, Dr. Stewart, a lot of people use the term sensory integration, the therapist, the... Um, yeah, they use know. sensory integration, sensory processing. What exactly is that, sensory integration? Those are just all the same names for something that is always the same. So they're different names depending on how you look at it. It means the eyes, the ears, and the muscles are not working in a coordinated fashion. Okay, so with dyslexia, which one, is, which part is not working coordinated? Typically the eyes and the ears. Okay, and what about dysgraphia, same thing? Same thing. Okay, what about with memory issues? Well, that's probably not any of them. But if you start, I basically tell people, how do you like three people talking to you at once? That's with the ADHD Well, and that's ADHD, but also, you know, dyslexic people can be ADHD some days, and some days they're not. They're kind of teetering back and forth. Well, that was my next question. So they do not, dyslexia and ADHD do not go hand in hand. No, not typically, but they can. They can. So the whole idea is everybody would rather have three people singing in harmony. Yes. But not having three people talking to you, telling you something different. So basically, when your sensory disintegrated, where they're not all telling you the same thing, you're getting three different, three different references of where you are in space mm-hmm. that are completely conflicted. So you put a bad program on a good computer, and it slows the program down. And that's like a lot of your vertigo patients. That's correct. That and so what happens in the brain, if it's conflicted, it's just going to slow down the processing speed. So you ah. get short-term memory, concentration, focus organizational problems, you know. And that's all connected to dopamine, what we were talking about. And then you get more anxious yeah. because you're supposed to because you're and you get anxiety, and nervousness, right. don't sleep well. That's right. So the whole idea is... Why are you always describing me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always say, God, thank you for bringing uh, my brother back into my life 10 years ago <laughs> so I'm not a mess like I was in my <laughs> 20s. <laughs> okay. I was rough in my 20s, so... <laughs> well, so the whole idea is that most people, unfortunately, when they are stricken with that and don't have anybody to recognize it, they tend to go to something to actually try to cure it. So many people self-medicate. Yeah. Alcohol, uh, nicotine. Yeah, you caffeine. talk about that a lot mm-hmm. with drugs and alcohol, and it's typically yeah. you find that they they have these kind of issues. They sure don't know they what do. to do. So they're self-medicating, trying to get themselves more comfort. Oh wow. 
I mean, it's just it's just very classic. So you know, so like example, like marijuana, was that slow the reticular activating system down? Or? No, not typically. It basically takes the edge off the the GABAergic system and basically gives you a little bit more uh, relaxation for your anxiety. Like same with alcohol. See, God makes us anxious on purpose. If I'm not functioning as properly as I should, and I'm in the woods, uh-huh. I'm an easier target for the bear and lion. Yeah. So he's gonna but if hunt. I'm wasted, it, it doesn't well, matter. Well, so we do something to calm that down. So I tell people, who's going to sleep well if I put them in the dark woods in the middle of the night? Where and they're, they're terrified. Know who's going to sleep? Nobody. Nobody. So that's anxiety. Well, that's what these people live through. Not to that degree, but yeah. close to it. They're always in high awareness mode. And well, that what gets is, old. What is the deal with, like, I can't just turn my memory off. I mean, I just keep, I have these you know, same thought over and over again. I'm going through my to-do list over and over again. I can't shut it down. I call it the spinning brain. Yeah, and so I use calming cream, and Mm -hmm. now we've got Neuronite that's coming. Our Neuronite, I can't wait. That formula's arriving next week, and you've got GABA, what, melatonin. And you just mentioned it is GABA. Yeah. So GABA's what actually, that's the cuddle hormone, the relaxation hormone, the sleep-inducing hormone. It just shuts your brain off. Yeah. And so if you can't make enough of that, and that's why people take melatonin and they use theanine and all these. And but GABA, you put it all in one formula for all us. All together oh, to, try to, get, to, get to try to get the gabiner so you turn your spinning brain off. We've all had spinning brain. Yeah, the calming cream tends to work for me if I do a couple pumps. Yes. It does. So the whole idea is that, you know, we've got to get to where we understand why people do what they do. And from a from a doctor standpoint, but we also want to correct it so they feel not a need in the future. So if you've been hooked on alcohol before, mm-hmm. we certainly don't want to just say, okay, go cold turkey, and we don't fix the underlying problem that puts you in the alcoholism be right in the first there. place because you'll wind up going back there. And you know what I've noticed? I I, I feel in certain um, rehabilitation centers they are starting to talk methylation and things sure. like that because mm-hmm. they're realizing that neurotransmitter support is by methylation sure yeah so we have some you know rehabilitation specialists that order our products well you know uh, and this is certainly not always true but in people who get hooked on drugs they usually have a high degree of anxiety and mm-hmm. the drugs actually build great power yeah in you because you relax and you get confident but when and, you come off of it and when you come off of it the anxiety comes screaming back so we got to fix it well, we got to help them deal with it. Okay. And that's all where genetics come in. We'll, we're able to see where the weaknesses are so we know what you need and what you don't need. Exactly. Which is really important because instead of just handing you supplement after supplement after supplement. Or drug after drug. Which is just guessing, we want to know what's precise for you. So we, we talk about things like precision medicine or personal precise medicine. Yeah. Which really means what's right for you, Karen, not, not what's right for all these anxiety uh, stricken people, but what is really right for you as an individual? Well, and you know, that brings me to like dyslexia. They say it runs in families. So it's obviously kind of a genetic. It's obviously genetic. Genetic issue. Mm-hmm. But just because the genetics uh, or the the nutrients, because one person in the family got their genetic testing, that doesn't mean that the same person in the family is going to have the same genetics exactly. No, because it's half from your mom, half from your dad, and it's a roll of the dice. Like you said before, you and I may not take the same thing nutritionally no, or No, you're way it. more screwed up than <laughs> Uh, thank you, big brother. I love that. <laughs> hey, I'm a lot better than I used to be. So. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> I know. You got the you got the pretties, and I got the <laughs> the big brains. <laughs> big brains on big bro. Okay, well, let's get to a little bit about the genetic testing. So, it could be helpful for those. I've had parents call and ask me if I get the like the the genetic testing that's out there. Can I know if my child's going to end up with dyslexia, or can I do something to prevent it or ADHD? Can they do that? The answer is more than likely yes. Okay. Now, typically what you're what you're dealing with is basically pr- production of dopamine, which okay. also falls hand in hand with serotonin. Mm-hmm. 
um, and you're dealing with basically the breakdown of dopamine. And those really fall into the methylation markers, okay. which are FOLR1 and 2, dihydrofolate. You're talking about the mutations on the DH, reports. Dihydrofolate reductase, um, the MTHFDs, um, MTHFR. Okay. So those are the big ones. MTHFR is probably the most known one. Yeah. So if you have a person who's got a 677 single copy or... Um, you know, a double copy or anything like that, you probably got a higher risk of developing some dyslexic dysgraphia. And what can you do to not develop Well, you that? have to put in methylated vitamins. Okay, so, so the, you put like in the methylation... Methylation complete. complete or methylfolate plus or both. And, okay. You know, you really got to do your research to understand that. Yeah, we get a question, methylfolate plus, are you ever going to come out with the cream? Not in that strength of game. No, you can't get it. Okay, that, thank you for answering that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. Like, I don't and know. Then, and then... Um, what you also have to deal with is the COMT and the MAOs, mm-hmm. which is how fast do we break down the dopamine and clear it so we can transition. And if you've got a mutation on that, you've got to. And then we it. also have the mitochondrial genetics. If you have more than three positives in the mitochondrial genetics in separate categories, mm-hmm. um, you know, not in the same category, but in separate categories, you're probably going to have. Uh, less energy in the cell, so therefore you have less dopamine and serotonin, so therefore you have a higher risk of having it. Oh, wow. So okay, really, so genetic testing in a nutshell could be helpful if you've got a, a doctor that could assess it. Well, yeah, but it's basically like having a car. What do you have to have to have a car run? You have to have oil, gas, you have to have gas, yeah. and you got to have a battery to start it, and you got to have good <laughs> spark plugs. Yeah. Okay. okay. And that's what it is. And then the keys or the button. Yeah, and then the button to trigger it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not as complex as it really is. Gosh, it sounds. always comes back around. I say that every show. It always comes back around to methylation. Well, well methylation is the, the gas. Yeah. So really, and for the most part, without taking the Teslas out and stuff like that, no car in the parking lot drives without gas. Yeah. Well, let's get to head trauma because a lot of kids get mm-hmm. hit in soccer, football, uh, falling down, you know, mm-hmm. babies and stuff. And, you know, I know you deal with a lot of head trauma because you have that specialized equipment that you mm-hmm. can see um, in your office. But can a head trauma occurrence, if they weren't uh, maybe not going to have dyslexia, could that trigger it? Sure. So here's the deal with head trauma. Okay. The inner ear is built in basically planes, horizontal, vertical, diagonal planes. When you get your head hit, you only get hit in one plane. And you can see that on the machine, right? even and if they so, don't know where they got hit. No, you can always tell where they got hit, and that damages that plane, which makes all the other planes normal, but this one plane that got damaged weak. Okay. Now the brain will try to find a happy medium. So what it then does is it turns up the sensitivity of the whole system. Okay. So the weak plane gets a little bit better, but the normal planes then get overly sensitive. Oh. And all of a sudden, the whole system is thrown off. Okay. Because you deal with so many concussive right. patients, like right. athletes, pro athletes. And that's really the reason from a sports perspective, if you're, if you're at a high-level sport and you get a concussive problem where your eyes don't work well, you don't want a receiver or somebody on the field mm-hmm. who can't see the ball and catch it very well. Yeah. Okay. You also don't want anybody on there that's going to get a second injury and and, and worsen the problem that they haven't healed yet. Yeah. And you also um, basically want to help them deal with everyday life and how they they recover from the injury itself because it's going to produce a lot of anxiety. It's going to produce a lot of hardships. Does it produce ADD, ADHD, things like that? Post-concussion syndrome and ADD are almost identical. Really? That's what my my question was. So, you know, your child gets hit in the head, then a parent's notice that their grades are going down. A post-concussion syndrome is a sensory integration syndrome. Okay. 
And how quickly can you recover? Well, if you get to it quick, which is what we want to do. Instead of walking around with it. Correct. Um, It's really funny. If it's a cerebral concussion and you lose consciousness, you probably want to rest for at least a week to 10 days. Rest your brain. But if it's a vestibular concussion where you don't, you damage the ear, but not the brain itself, Mm -hmm. those people actually need to move around quicker. Yeah, because you told you, you you say that a lot of people don't even know the difference, Mm-mm. and some of them are sitting around, and that's not what they should be doing. They See, should be walking around. Right, and, and so moving. this is a huge controversy. So I know you train the um, the Texas coaches here. You you certify um, them in concussion. A lot of the trainers and stuff, but here's and the Texas high school coaches. But here's what you got to understand: this is still a huge controversy. It's a turf war. Okay. Okay, and basically, neurologists want to think that all concussions are brain. That is not the case because. We know that the way you you get sway in the plane, you get hit. Well, the brain has no idea what direction it's going unless, okay. it's, unless the inner ear tells it. So we know that has nothing to do. And if you start feeding bad information from the ear, the brain will not work well. So resting is not always a good thing. Not always. Okay. okay. And then how do you decide? You have to go to a specialist like you yourself? You get or? tested and you find out which one it is. It's very easy to see on a platform. If you damage the brain, you are messed up. It's really Well, you have like a huge waiting list, 10 months or more. So can they go to a balance center or something like that? Uh, not typically. If you call my office, concussions are emergencies. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. You probably shouldn't have said that. Well... <laughs> Because you have to get to it as soon as possible. Like Absolutely, you because if you the longer you wait, the more the body tries to accommodate uh-huh. or adjust for the abnormality, and okay. the more work we have to do to get you back out. Okay, you're gonna have a lot of patients calling saying they have a concussion now. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, anyways, well, thank you, Doctor Stewart. I was very informative. I learned a lot, which I always love. Um, doing, um, I think I know everything that you know, but I do not okay. at all. All right, everybody, we thank you for joining us on season uh, two, episode eight, and we'll see you next Sunday. And have a beautiful and blessed day. God bless you. Bye bye. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.